Hello, I'm Jamie Bricker, and I'd like to welcome everyone once again to our ongoing weekly podcast series, Affective Leadership, Positivity Promotes Productivity. Now, we began March by discussing an overview of the Leadership Blueprint. And since then, we've been discussing different aspects of this very important blueprint. Last week, we focused on the connections. And today, we're going to be looking at the next step in the blueprint, that being the plan. Before we do, it is now my pleasure to introduce my podcast partner and co-host, Jack Barkley. Thanks, Jamie. Really looking forward to continuing the discussion around the leadership blueprint today. Great to have you, Jack, as always. And I think, Jack, what's really inspiring about the conversation today, last week, and the rest of the month is this blueprint truly does lay the foundation for leadership. Like, there's just no doubt about it. Absolutely. Now, Jack, before we begin discussing key aspects of the plan, I just want to check with you, looking back, what were some of your key takeaways from last week's discussion on the connections? And I guess, even more importantly, Jack, how do those kind of key points from last week, how do you see them laying the groundwork for today's focus? Well, first and foremost, Jamie, I think the leader's impact on the team centers around establishing uh, an identity and uh, understanding members of the team. These are both crucial to success moving forward. But also, I think, recognizing the importance of first impressions that the leader makes is really key, and it it can't be underestimated. Oh, I got to interject there, Jack. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think it's we naturally talk a lot about what a leader says and what a leader does, but to me, what jumps out of the page first, um, I look back on really what I thought were very impactful leaders that I worked for years ago versus other ones who were simply making no real difference or a, a negative difference in my eyes. A lot of it had to do with just plain attitude and just kind of how they carried themselves and the ones who were inspiring and impactful and affective, they looked at every day was a great day and it was really infectious. Whereas if you're kind of working for kind of the Eeyore type leader where everything's a downer, it really does become contagious. And, and a big part of that is, is kind of the, once again, the body language and, and the facial expressions, even before you actually uttered a word. Well, Jamie, that's so true. And I, I think when I hear you describe that, I myself... Can completely relate to and I think our people or, or our team as leaders can certainly look at uh, how we you know how we carry ourselves or I think what we say conveying capability and embracing you know embracing how we're viewed as leaders to our team and I always had that really comfortable feeling or that confident feeling uh, when I knew you know and you could tell that your leader uh, carried themselves uh, in that positive way. So getting back to your <clears throat> original questions, like I think that these pieces that I talk about also help lay the groundwork for the focus we're talking about today, the plan. Again, I think it's so important, Jamie, that establishing identity, seeking understanding and building your credibility need to come before uh, a plan of any sort can be successful. And it makes me think, I, I question for you is to you what are what are the most important and most challenging parts of developing a sustainable plan with your team well jack i got to admit my my points that are upcoming now are going to get a zero for creativity 
uh, because I'm, I'm stealing what you just highlighted only because obviously, since they came from you, they must be excellent points, but I think they really are key. And the first, of course, is truly getting to know your people. And I know we say that a lot throughout these podcasts. The reason we do, of course, is it's so important. It's right. easy to focus on, I want to be understood. I am important. I am the leader, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, that's 180 degrees from what our focus should be. And that is to get to know your people. And of course, that takes time. That takes genuine effort. And the fact we all know everybody's different. So to make that kind of real connection with people, you know, certain people are going to be very easy and some are going to be a real challenge. But I know, Jack, you and I have discussed many times the people who it really took the longest time to understand in the organization, they ultimately had the, the biggest contributions when all was said and done. Well, uh, just kind of we kind of unlocked all this hidden potential. And yeah, that's also like a big part of that, too, is like this mutual trust. And yeah. the word credibility is so true. Like, are people buying what the leader's selling? And yeah. do I, as an employee, Jack, you're the leader. Do I believe in you both professionally, but also personally? And like, do you not agree? I think that's a huge part of it. Oh, I, I, I completely agree, Jamie. And, and I, I go back and I, I think about that when, when we were in positions of leadership and I was at a place and then left a place and how far it had come along in getting to know those people. You, you get to know new things every day. And I, I really like how you point out that certainly some people are harder to get to know, but it's crucial that you get to know those strengths to, to be able to move forward and, and, support them and utilize them in the right way. No, well said. You, you nailed it. It's supporting them. We have to acknowledge these, these often hidden strengths within the individual. But then when you said the word utilize, you're so right. Ultimately, our goal as leaders is to do what's best for the organization. And a lot of these people have had dormant skills for eons because for whatever reason, they felt disenfranchised or whatever. And getting them back kind of in the groove, so to speak, and really reap benefits. And I also think it's so important, this identity piece you're referring to, Jack, like the leader, of course, needs to establish that in order to get buy-in, but the buy-in, of course, it's important to distinguish a commitment where people are really, truly engaged and they really are drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, versus right. just compliance when they often feel pressure or fear just to make sure they're the kind of uh, employee kind of dutifully doing what is assigned to them with no real skin in the game and no emotional attachment whatsoever. Well, well, that's just superficial. Like that's got nothing to do with uh, a commitment. So like the bottom, bottom line, Jack, is I think these keys are all closely aligned with the importance of making connections and it's a perfect segue to today's discussion on the plan, because as we've said over the last couple of weeks, these key steps, they follow a sequence. And it's really important to recognize and respect this sequence, because now we're tying into our fourth overall step, our first one for today, but the fourth one in the sequence about laying the foundation. And this idea of a framework, 
obviously everyone in the organization has to know the parameters and the boundaries and what are our what are our targets for this initiative what are what are we focusing on right now three months six months 12 months things like that it those have got to be established but on the other hand there also has to be some inherent flexibility because every initiative is a little different every team you're working with has a different composition every employee is slightly different every customer is very different so you really have to also have that flexibility within a fairly firm framework. And we've also talked many times, Jack, the idea that some of these things are gonna be very collaborative in establishing this framework and others, the leader was gonna take more kind of direct initiative. And that kind of depends on the parameters of that given project. But finally, Jack, in, in my mind, like the, one of the biggest takeaways though, is when you lay this foundation is holy Toledo, is it clear? Are things once again, there's no kind of uh, hidden trap doors or hidden agendas or, oh, what, or sorry, I forgot this or some kind of surprise. No, 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 no. It's clear, transparent, above board. Everybody knows, once again, the boundaries within which they're expected to work. Well, that's so right, Jamie. And, and you know, that foundation, I, I love that word in this section, because it really, uh, without a foundation in anything, your, your, your goal or your building or uh, the project, it is going to crumble, and it's not going to be a success. And I cannot get over the order of things, too, when we look at uh, seeking understanding, building our credibility, and now laying the foundation. And, and the, the points you talk about, the framework and collaboration and, and being really clear are so, so important. And within that, I think of a few other things as well. I, we, we've talked about high expectations before and being able to uh, expect that and lead your group or your team with those high expectations. We've often talked about core values um, or values of the organization and company and that integrity. And I think it, it is, it's modeling it is important, but it's more than that. I think it's, it's the day in, day out with whatever you do, carrying on conversations, planning, collaboration. It's setting that bar high. And that might be based on data, might be based on your bottom line, what's expected of you uh, in a job and so on. But, but you really need to continue to be really clear and communicating uh, with your group on what those expectations are, because they will appreciate that. That's, that's an important piece to know. They need to know what are we striving for? What are we reaching for? You raise an excellent so, point. P people want, the overwhelming majority of people want to do their job well. Right. And, and you, you need to give those parameters to people in order to, to have them do that. Because I think that some of the breakdowns in that are when, leaders are, are ineffective in not providing those parameters, uh, you know, because very often they'll get provided to us from the company or organization. Uh, but we also, we have to reinforce that for them as well. And then once those are set, uh, you know, we've talked about walking the talk as well. You can tell or email or define these parameters um, and expectations as much as you want, but you have to live by them too and uh, relate to those examples with your group as to, as to how you do that uh, and, and show where it's successful, show where the team has benefited from 
walking that that talk uh, with them. And, and then again, that continues. We we talked about credibility, building credibility, not having an end point that you're constantly in motion doing that. So building credibility is a, is a lifelong skill and walking the talk will help do that and lay the foundation. And then you, you talk so much, like I, I really, that the piece about uh, seeking understanding, you know, in, in part two, again, you revisit that and you really have to know your players because I think in laying the foundation, and again, you can only know your players if you've, sought to understand them first and spent time with them in discussions and, and situational uh, opportunities. But getting to know those players helps you put them, and I go back to one of our leaders we spoke to at the beginning of the year, put them in the right seats or in the right places to be a benefit and make them also feel like they're contributing to the team. You can't do that properly if you don't, if you don't know their skills, skill sets and, and, uh, and feel that. So true, Jack, but I, I really like it. You, a few sentences ago, you, you mentioned about something about situational opportunities, and that's another key aspect. And that's why, of course, in this context, we're referring to employees as, quote, the players, because I think it does apply to a sports analogy in the sense that in different times of the game or whatever, in different situations, on different teams, with different teammates, the same employee is going to assume a different role. And so, so I think you really, you really touched on a really important key for affective leadership to recognize that a given employee in different situations within your organization may well assume a somewhat different role. And I think that's a really key point. So thanks for bringing that up. Oh, no, no, for sure. Now, Jack, we are now, and I think it's interesting, and I just want to stress we are now just going to be kind of shifting into the discussion on change. It is now going into the fifth step of our blueprint. And I think many times, you know, leaders jump into change prematurely. So I just want to stress that now we're about halfway done our blueprint. And now I think it's important, Jack, to really start looking at the fact that initiating change is, let's face it, it's, it's typically a key part of any new leader's mandate. I mean, that's why an organization is looking for new leadership. So as an affective leader, Jack, like how did you know that your team was really ready to make, I talked about this word commitment. How did you know your team was really ready to commit to sustainable change? Well, no doubt, Jamie, that initiating change is part of that new leader's mandate for, for sure. And, you know, I, I think that knowing that your team is ready to commit uh, rather than just comply, as we've talked about, commit to sustainable change. It's dependent on, on a few factors as in reflecting uh, on, on pieces in the past. But clearly, coming to a consensus and having your team understand the plan, goals, and the benefits of the change itself are all key to committing to it. So you have to get them there with that information. Additionally, I think resources and supports need to be in place to support the team because it's hard to commit unless you know you're going to have the time um, and, and you know and, and those barriers to success removed you know so that stable commitment requires a fresh and fluid supply of opportunities uh, in the process and you're and then, right though like leaders have to kind of put their, their time and their money where their mouth is if right. this is going to be valued and important, then you've got to fully support it in all, all ways. 
Yeah, and, and that's 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 that support from the leader. So, and and then the greater the opportunities for the team, I think, uh, the deeper the commitment will be. And that that just has to, you know, again, the leader can remind them of the benefits and values out of the change that happens. And, and well, so. as we've said several times over the podcast, Jack, I mean, the, your 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 keen top people in particular, the, the, like you've got to keep giving them opportunities to. To, to push themselves and, and further motivate themselves and give opportunities for growth. And in doing so, of course, you just keep enriching the company and you keep deepening everyone's commitment. That That's, that's so vital, Jamie. And I'm, I'm really glad you uh, emphasized that because I, I think too, that it's important to mention that that commitment and you and I have talked about this along the way has to be nurtured and maintained in a continuous cycle. Uh, for overall sustained success for the team and the organization. And I think, and I can remember doing it too in early days where you thought, okay, if I get to this end point, then I, I'm i there. Well, no, it's a, it's a continuous revisiting, revising, um, and, and, and supporting people along the way, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about celebration later, but it, but it's not just something that stops. It, it has to keep, keep going on. Now, this is a great segue into our, our fifth uh, point, but this part of the plan, and that's beginning the change. And again, I, I, you and I have talked about so many people that jump into this stage uh, early because they're enthused, excited. They want to change things. They want to see things change and, uh, and so forth. But, but without having all the other pieces in place, it's really tough to do. So again, we've talked about asking lots of questions and, you know, talking about, you know, we, we talk about the where we want to go, maybe as an example, what is the data showing us, um, emphasizing that, that why we need to make change. So continuing to ask for people instead of it feeling like it's an edict that comes from on high to people and they're forced to do that piece. Uh, you've often used that phrase, don't be a bulldozer with things. Uh, that piece about, you know, pacing yourself, the pacing is so, so important in, in what we do, because again, one of the barriers can be feeling rushed or under the gun to get things completed. And yes, there are deadlines and timelines, but, but you need another way of being supportive is to, to, to move those people along at a reasonable pace. No, it's so true. And it's all about, once again, you know, building a consensus. And I, I think, when you're talking about an edict a minute ago, Jack, I think it's important that we ought, we, as much as we talk about affective leadership and collaborative leadership and so on, the reality is there are times whether someone above the leader has said in this area, this is what we're doing, kind of, that's it. Or sometimes the leader, uh, him or herself, will have very specific expectations for something. And that's, that's absolutely part of the job. But when it comes to those kind of situations where it is a leadership directive, I think it's just so important, like be straight with people and, and just tell them like on, the, on these certain things, this is basically the way it is. Whereas on these things, we very much want your input and we want full collaboration from the team as we establish the framework. I think the real um, unfortunate situation, which can really lead to mistrust and just kind of bad feelings moving forward is when people feel it's kind of a, uh, you know, a case of tokenism where you're, you're kind of promising or suggesting 
input from people are encouraging it. And yet ultimately that input is not being respected, valued, or followed, you know, followed up, followed up on. So I think it's important to kind of differentiate what's truly collaborative versus what is not going to be. Right, Gene. You know, and, and, and I, I think it's I, those I, parameters, right? That you yeah, yeah, well said. No, no, well said. It's all about once again those those parameters. Are they clear and are they, I guess, clear and sincere? And I'm also, as I want to do, Jack, picking, picking, backing on your good ideas, but the idea of the, the slow and steady wins the race, that reminds me of kind of that old analogy of, do you want to be short-term efficient or long-term effective? And in the short term, no doubt about it, if everything's an edict, you can just kind of in your own mind as the leader go check, 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 they're all done in no time. Boy, that was easy. But of course, we know that's exactly how not to do it if you want sustainable leadership, whereas long-term effectiveness is, of course, the goal, and that's a process which we're trying to outline over these podcasts this month. And I think it's just, once again, and I, I know we both said this several times, but it's so important to stress that we are just now at stage five out of 10, we are just now starting to include the change discussion in our leadership blueprint. Once again, so many leaders for a litany of reasons, they jump into change initiatives right off the bat without making these essential connections and without establishing a, a sustainable plan. And to the surprise of no one, meaningful change simply uh, does not happen in these cases as it cannot be forced. And we all know it just cannot be rushed. Well, it, right, Jamie. And, and when I listen to you talk about that right now, I cannot, and not to sound repetitive, but the order of things is so, so important. And it's why we have change here where, where we have it in, in the list of 10 things. Oh, absolutely. And we're now about half done the blueprint and we'll look to continue that over the next couple of podcasts. So thanks everyone for joining us today. And just another reminder that throughout the remainder of March, we will continue to discuss different parts of this very important leadership blueprint. And next week, we'll be focusing on the people uh, as we share how an effective leader assembles a quality team with different skills and experiences. And we'd just like to remind everyone that our podcast is posted on a weekly basis, and there will also continue to be a weekly blog on LinkedIn. And please continue to look for our overall series, Affective Leadership. Positivity promotes productivity in both of these formats. Please feel free to connect with Jamie and me on LinkedIn. We welcome our listeners' feedback and also any suggestions for future aspects of affective leadership that you'd like explored. We can always be reached at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And Jack and I look forward to connecting with you again next week on Affective Leadership. Positivity promotes productivity.